Hello and welcome back to Miss Macintosh, my darling commentary. And we will be ending volume one of To All My Darlings um, today, chapter 44. It's a relatively short chapter. And so far we are on schedule to, we're going to wrap up today. Um, I'm going to take a break for the September holiday. And then I will be back. Uh, we'll start volume two. Um, I'm going to see if I can put in a little more time to get done with my first draft of volume two. Uh, but we can start. I'm at the end of it, so we'll, I have no problem starting the uh, starting with chapter 45, the first part of volume two. Volume one will be reissued, new edition, uh, with all the, well, most of the commentary, not everything. Some stuff I just said here and in the podcast and it didn't make it into the ebook, but that's okay. That's supposed to happen that way. Um, might make it into the third volume. And uh, then the ebook, paperback, and hardback will all be reissued, published in September. It will, the Kindle ebook will be free for one week. Um, I will definitely let you know here and also on Twitter. When that happens, you can snag a free copy, no problem. Um, um, if you, the Kindle app is free and it downloads to most devices, and uh, and it's assuming you have an Amazon account. If for some reason you don't, um, and you need an EPUB or PDF, you can email me at coralrussellbooks at gmail.com. Coral, C-O-R-A-L, Russell, two S's, two L's, books, B-O-O-K-S at gmail.com. So, yeah. All right, let's finish this up. Chapter 44, character list, Mr. Spitzer, Cousin Hannah. Synopsis, Mr. Spitzer gives the biggest hint yet about how Cousin Hannah's public life was completely different from her private life. She was leading a double life, and he knows this from her personal effects and paperwork that he had to go through because he's her lawyer. Paragraph one, Mr. Spitzer knew the truth was less but greater than illusion. Mr. Spitzer thinks, I have, I'm inside because it's hot outside, and I have a, my little baby boy kitten. Pom-pom, get out of his litter box. There's nothing in there you want. And so, and he loves to attack her, so we will, you will hear some thuds. Okay, Mr. Spitzer thinks it's strange that Cousin Hannah's talking about skirts and other feminine accessories when she had always been a great bloomer girl. Bloomers, oh, I should probably look up and explain what they are. Oh, I got a lot of notes here. I really? Yep, bloomers. So they're, they're women's garments for the lower body. They're like, uh, like the early form of underwear. They were worn under um, I don't know. Um, yeah, they're kind of like the early part of underwear, but then they were also the early part of, early part of pants. Huh. Uh, bloomers. All right. 
Cousin Hannah had told women to take off their skirts that they relieved themselves from unnecessary encumbrances which dragged them down and weighted them and made it impossible that they should carry on successfully the battle against men. How odd that at the last, as one who was going over to her mysterious bridegroom, she should call for her skirt. Two, Mr. Spitzer could tell any future biographer for Cousin Hannah that if she had lived as a hero, she had perhaps not died as a hero, not even as a great heroine, since no one remembered her anymore. She had already passed into oblivion. Hey, Menace. paragraph three the days of her loud fanfare were over long before she died so that only he had heard her last remarks or crying oh where's my lost where's my love lost love where's my little snowdrop four mr spitzer brought cousin hannah some white flowers snowdrops and was surprised when she reacted as if in agony from that moment she had begun to fade mr spitzer felt as if his own magic had done this albeit albeit it was a magic he was powerless to control Five, Cousin Hannah began to cry again for her love and skirt. Her love disappeared after Cousin Hannah had warned her not to go because she never returned and Cousin Hannah had been searching for her ever since. If Cousin Hannah had known she would never return, she would have gone with her so that they would have been together. Six, Cousin Hannah remarks that no one would see her love's nakedness. Everything was false. Seven, Mr. Spitzer thought this was a joke, that Cousin Hannah was crying over a dead love. Eight, Cousin Hannah claims that she didn't kill her love, but false modesty did. Cousin Hannah's love had disappeared so suddenly. She says she must find her skirt. Nine, Cousin Hannah talked about how she couldn't see and the weather was against her. Ten, Cousin Hannah called out, O Lord, great Lord, Lord of the lost creation. She thought an iceberg was charging toward her. Eleven, Cousin Hannah claims to let go of her love's hand through all eternity or for one moment. She wonders if her love was true or false. Twelve, Cousin Hannah calls her love my lovely bride. Although this could be a real person, it seems Cousin Hannah is talking about herself and her past and questions why she was always looking for what was in the future instead of content with the feminine things or girly things like when she was younger. Thirteen, Cousin Hannah wonders when she wanted something grand when she used to only be interested in frivolities. She claims she looked for her love everywhere. Fourteen, Cousin Hannah wants them to put on their whispering skirts. She wishes for secrecy. And we have no horoscope, no future. Cousin Hannah asked questions. 16. Cousin Hannah had looked for her love everywhere. 17. Now Mr. Spitzer was really confused and did not feel right eavesdropping on Cousin Hannah's confession about her personal love, dead love which had prompted her suffrage movement and battles against overwhelming odds. She too had loved and lost. What was unexpected about this? 18. Mr. Spitzer has always thought that Cousin Hannah was a beau-joueur and a martyr to women's suffrage. Beaujour is a person who shows a spirit of fairness and generosity in sport. That's why he was surprised by this ambivalence splitting her apart. I am not going to play with you right now. Look at your baby. Splitting her apart into the lover and the loved, he thought all had begun with ghostly love, and all had ended no doubt with the same, that ghostly love, which was the beginning of love, like the love of the troubadour for the dead love, false lady, love founded on death. 19. These great problems, great surprises shouldn't have happened at the end of Mr. Spitzer's life, but he still heard racetrack music long after Perone's last horse race. He wondered if there were two dream tracks like heaven and hell. 20. Mr. Spitzer started remembering all the things that had made him question Cousin Hannah's life in the past. He had seen her human heart and frailties 
allying her at her last hour to other ladies and perhaps to men. 21. If Cousin Hannah's love was her hero, she was also powerless since Cousin Hannah was dying. A Chanticleer is another name for a rooster. It is also a character name in various works of fiction, such as Reynard the Fox and the Nun's Priest's Tale in the Canterbury Tales. Oh no, that's another one I should look up. 22. Because I don't remember it from studying the Canterbury Tales back in college. Um, 22, Mr. Spitzer, with forlorn certainty, knew why Cousin Hannah had traveled and fought the elements and in conflicts. She could not now be trusted. You are so cute. Yes, you are. Mm-hmm. 23, Mr. Spitzer, thought that Twenty-three. Mr. Spitzer thought that cowardice in the face of great obstacles, that subject seemed as complex, as complicated as human love, not easily understood. Cousin Hannah was known for her bravery, but on her deathbed she had accused herself of cowardice. She had acted as if she had failed in her own esteem, as if she were not that great leader she had seemed, that valiant rescuer of dying ladies. Even though now no one remembered her, an actual death could add scarcely a note to that which had already occurred. Mr. Spitzer's Realization came too late because she was dying and death was this eternal transmutation and could not be localized. 25. Mr. Spitzer thought that the greatest heroes been prompt the greatest heroes been prompted by secret. Oh, this is it. had been prompted by secret cowardice and was not this often and was not this often the meaning of their lives. Cousin Hannah thought this was the reason men went to war because of this inner knowledge that they had already failed. They had already lost some greater battle than history might record. Mr. Spitzer thought that the burning moth was more heroic than the burning star, for the star burned because of its own nature, and the moth burned because of its desire. And yet he was not sure perhaps the star burned because of its desire. He did not know all things being relative. Mr. Spitzer thought a hero might be a coward and the weakest creature might be the greatest hero. think you're gonna go to sleep 26 mr. Spitzer was hesitant to honor great men captains and kings because of this he preferred to honor those who had always been ignored those to whom had been extended no accolade after all he had been ignored mr. Spitzer considered himself heroic cousin Hannah was considered great but she had ignored and objected to people perhaps she had been killed by her laughter even like mr. Spitzer's brother perhaps she'd been killed by a tear 27. Mr. Spitzer knew that there was no such thing as safety, not even for her, certainly none for him. 
This phrase is similar to Helen Keller's Securities as Superstition from her book, The Open Door. 28. Mr. Spitzer always proceeded with caution, never jumping to a quick conclusion, a false conclusion, for then he would have to retrace his steps if that was possible. He could not trust his memory. His judgment must proceed with circular motions. He considered himself a musician first, then a lawyer, because the law put boundaries on him. Mr. Spitzer, because of his job as a lawyer, had found and searched through secret drawers, boxes, and keys. He had learned about Cousin Hannah's marches. and battles through polyandrous countries and polygamous countries. Her battles were the illusion of monogamy pertained, though every couple slept with a ghost. Mr. Spitzer went through her papers and was confronted by the mystery of the sterile heart begetting the mystery. Some of the letters read less like letters to a suffragette than like love letters to a great love, perhaps to a dead love or God. Couple slept with a ghost. Um, oh, excuse me. <coughs> Was there no key to open the human heart, no locksmith to cast the mold for this key, silver or gold, to open this enigmatic lock? Perhaps this mystery was the key, he had told himself, and there was no key but the mystery. 29. Mr. Spitzer thought that Cousin Hannah's death would only increase the mystery of her life like it had with him. He thought all other lives were increased by this great mystery of death, that all who lived had already died. Death happened in many ways, more ways than love, some which were quite subtle, some which were bold. 30. Mr. Spitzer believed that any wisdom or understanding he had gained came after the great event, and it seemed to him that in all other lives this was the case, that all were at the misty borderline defining no known realms. He wanted to ask of all creatures and things, is this as it was, ever will be? Is there only this dying moment? Must not the lover die of love? 31. Mr. Spitzer had read Cousin Hannah's papers with shaking hands and his nearsighted eyes wide. 32. Mr. Spitzer could not believe that so many people wrote to Cousin Hannah believing that she knew the mysteries of the complex human heart when she did not know of life and light and love and what human being had ever touched her. And what should this old maid ever know of love and all the ramifications of the human heart, unhuman heart? What desire had ever been hers or what ambition, what goad, spur, motive? And the last paragraph, Mr. Spitzer couldn't believe the secrets people shared with her in these letters. He thought she was either never a suffragette or people had simply misunderstood her. People shared personal things with her as if it were she who knew most of love and death and marriage, things she had never experienced in this life so far as anyone had known. Unless a person knew most about love and unless a person knew most about love and death if he never loved or died. Well, that's not a good sentence. What did I mean there? Oh, okay. I think it's supposed to be a question. He's questioning this. That's what it sounds like. So it's, unless a person knew most about love and death, when... He, uh, okay, I understand. I'm just trying to figure out how to word it. Unless a person knew most about love and death, if he never loved or died. So it's like, kind of like that total ignorance equals total knowledge. 
Mr. Spirit, Mr. Spitzer thought couples were happy because they were so secretive, so remote, that it was as if they had withdrawn from life. It was as if they were dead, locked in an everlasting embrace. Perhaps the greatest love did not find its form of expression, either human or divine, for all would fail. The light would go out of all eyes. All right. Okie dokie. That's it. That was a short one. That was way shorter than I thought it would be. All right. So for the month of September, I'm hoping the first couple of weeks, there's like an exact date. It has to be 90 days. It's 90 days apart that I can offer the Kindle ebook free. So it has to fall on the last, the, the 90 days after the last time I did it. And it was back in, it was like three months ago. May or June? Anyways, I just have to fa- find that date. So then I'll have a better idea. Um, uh, anyways, when I come back to start Volume 2, Chapter 45, I'll definitely let you know when the date is. Um, I'll announce it on Twitter. So, oh yeah, you can follow it. M-M-M-D by B-Y-M-Y. So it's Miss Backtosh, My Darling, by Margaret Young. It's just shortened, abbreviated there. All right. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed volume one. Hope you're ready for volume two. Still lots more to come between Cousin Hannah and Mr. Spitzer. Mr. Spitzer has a complete world to go through of his own. Then we'll jump back to Vera and the end of Miss Macintosh. Uh, we'll meet Miss Hod- Miss Hogden. A little bit more about Catherine. And then we'll go in- into Esther Longtree. Uh, which you've heard me say is hard. Um, And then we will come to like all the conclusions, all the threads of everybody's story will come to an end uh, at the end of the book. So it's an end of this story, although Marguerite Young said there's really no ending because there's no ending to life. Uh, No beginning, middle, or end to life. So, okay, that's it. That wraps it up. Thank you very much for listening. Bye.